Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. I've been told by numerous pastors, and I've, I've seen this to be true in my own life and experience, that, that the Psalms really just apply to any and every situation. No matter what you are going through, the Psalms are, are like, like having a friend that, that you know, just, just gets you. You know, we often forget that the Psalms are written by real people experiencing real life just as we do, and yet by divine inspiration, their contemplations, their musings, their praises, and sometimes even their, their shouts of anger and, and frustration towards people or even against God, their raw outbursts of emotion are recorded for us. And we get such a psalm today, a contemplation of Ethan, the Ezraite. In the book of 1 Kings, Ethan is considered to be a man so wise, he's, he's compared favorably with Solomon, the wisest person who has ever lived. Ethan was a son of Zerah, hence the Ezraite, and he was a grandson of Jacob or of Judah. Uh, Judah was one of the 12 sons of Israel or, or Jacob, uh, so this is a grandson of Judah, great-grandson of Jacob. Of Ethan's grandfather Judah, God had said back in Genesis, the scepter will not depart from Judah. In other words, there would always be a ruler, a king, from Judah's line. And with this idea, Ethan begins his psalm, his contemplation. Ethan recalls that God has now reestablished this covenant with David. Uh, he's made a covenant with David. He says, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I've sworn to my servant David. Your seed I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. David's kingdom would go on forever. It would be a kingdom without end. Never would there, be, uh, when, never would there fail to be a man from David's lineage uh, stop being ruler over Israel. And from the Jordan River to the Great Sea, the Mediterranean Sea, God's, uh, David's kingdom would extend. And it was a covenant that God made in love. And then Ethan breaks out and he marvels at, at all the ways that, that creation uh, shows traces of God's covenant of love. He says, O Lord of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? You rule the, wage, the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. God controls the water, and in controlling the water, God's love is shown. Ethan remembers how God chose David as king among David's seven brothers. He speaks of King David like, like he's a, a close friend, even like, even like a brother, like someone who was there when God chose David after going through Jesse's seven 
older uh, and more beautiful, more important sons. When the Lord, through the prophet Samuel, went to Jesse to find a king for Israel, and after going through Jesse's seven older sons, said to the least of Jesse's sons, David, this is the one. I am pleased with him. This man is a man after my own heart. This is the one I have chosen to be king. Anoint David as king and listen to him. So Ethan writes in the voice of God, I have found my servant David with my holy oil. I have anointed him. Also, I will make him my firstborn, and my covenant shall stand firm with him. David is a man of God's own choosing. Samuel anoints David as king. Uh, That's what uh, made someone a king in the Old Testament. They're anointing. And God calls David his son, his firstborn, whom he loves. And God promised to never break his covenant, his promise with David. And then, a God, and then God affirms that once he's sworn to David, he will never lie. But then suddenly, and hopefully you noticed this as I was reading, in verse 38 of the psalm, something unexpected has happened. Ethan says to God, but you have cast off and abhorred. You have been furious with your anointed. You've renounced the covenant of your servant. You profaned his crown by casting it to the ground. God has done what he said he would never do. God has renounced the covenant he has made. God has thrown away David's title as king. As a result, the entire kingdom is in turmoil. It was supposed to last forever, a kingdom uh, without end. And here it is being ended. The enemies have come to power God. Instead of exalting David's right hand, he's exalted the right hand of David's enemies. And Ethan himself, who is writing, is in distress. Now, we don't know exactly what crisis Ethan is referring to. He doesn't tell us the details. It could be David's loss of his seven-day-old son. It could be David's other son, Absalom, uh, rebelling against David, trying to to steal his throne. Uh, We heard about that two weeks and three weeks ago. Or if Ethan's not referring to David, it it might be the spiritual decline after David of, of, of King Solomon. It might be the rapid and and radical decline of the kingdom after Solomon. The crisis that seems best in all of this is actually Israel's exile into Babylon when foreign king Nebuchadnezzar would would overtake Israel, but that wouldn't happen for another 400 years. Some have concluded that because of this, perhaps someone even added verses to Ethan's psalm later on to fit Uh, the Babylonian exile, the Babylonian captivity. Whatever the crisis, Ethan calls out to God from complete despair and anguish. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Lord, where are your former loving kindnesses which you swore to David in your truth? As if to say, God, God, don't you remember? Don't you remember your covenant you made with David? You said his kingdom would last forever. You said if David's sons broke your covenant, you would chasten them with a rod. 
that you would punish them, but, but you said you wouldn't turn away from them. But God, that's, that's exactly what it seems like you're doing. You've cast off David. You've turned away from his sons. You, his kingdom has come to an end. God, don't you remember? You said you wouldn't let this happen. You promised. You promised. Because Ethan isn't explicit in what crisis he was experiencing, we, we then can see our own crises, whatever they might be, in this psalm. Uh, Ethan has maybe, it seems he's gone through something very specific, but, you know, it, it sure seems that whatever it was, we've gone through it too. You know, these are the sort of words we cry when awful things happen to us. Sometimes it seems God has cast us off. We cry out to God, God, how long will you let this happen? How long will you let me suffer like this? Remember your promise to, to help me and deliver me from evil? In giving us his contemplation, Ethan then shows us one of the purposes of the Psalms. At, at funerals, like we'll have tomorrow for Vicki, it's a gift to have other people there uh, who, are, who aren't in the depths of mourning. Other people who might be acquaintances of the person, but, but, but that's not the same thing as, as being in the depths of mourning like being a widow or an orphan. But others sing uh, when they're there. Others are able to sing, they're able to put into words what those in the depths of mourning cannot. See, nobody really gets the person who is mourning or gets you if you're mourning because no one else is really going through the same thing. No one else has the same relationship. But they do get you because God gets you and his words come to you through others singing. And so to realize what role we play is so incredibly important because inevitably, there will come a day when you don't feel like singing. But as the body of Christ, we join so that others can sing for you. And the same thing happens really every Sunday. None of us know really what another person is going through uh, in, in, in any, at any time. But each Sunday, we get to be like Ethan. We join together, we sing, perhaps for someone who can't. Ethan, who is singing for David or Solomon. And then, as others put into words, they put into words what we cannot, even if those words are simply Kyrie eleison, Lord, have mercy. It's what we need to say, even if we can't say it, and it's what we need to hear. But as Ethan cries out to God in anger and despair, we begin to see that something here doesn't quite make sense. Something doesn't quite add up it becomes clear that Ethan is no longer referring to King David. He's talking about another David, another anointed, another one whom God chooses to be David. Ethan contemplates, what man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his life from the power of the grave? That's certainly not King David. Perhaps the reason why Ethan wasn't explicit in what crisis is happening is that this crisis hasn't happened yet. 
This crisis is when another anointed one is cast off. Or the Greek word for anointed is Christ. Jesus, the Christ. Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus, great David's greater son. Jesus is the David that Ethan has been referring to. And once we see this, this psalm takes on a whole new light. Even though David and his descendants, including us, even though we did not keep our half of the deal of the covenant, even though we are and, and were and have been unfaithful, we are not cast off. But the anointed one, Jesus, is. Ethan's psalm helps us to understand why the baptism of Jesus, then, is such an important event in the life of Jesus. Jesus' baptism is his anointing. Like David before him. David had, was anointed by, by Samuel when, when Samuel poured uh, the oil of anointing over his head. Jesus, here at his baptism, has water poured over his head. And when Jesus comes out of his anointing, out of his baptism, out of the water, Matthew tells us that God the Father speaks from heaven. This is my Son, whom I love. Listen to him. Jesus is the fulfillment of Psalm 89. Jesus is anointed as the King of the Jews, as the prophet through whom God speaks, and as the priest to offer the once-for-all sacrifice or atonement for the sins of the world. But as Jesus goes into his baptism, something amazing happens. Jesus trades places with us. He takes on our sin in baptism. We deserve to be cut off from God, to have God be furious with us, but now Jesus, who carries our sin, will be cut off instead. The full power of God's wrath will be directed at Jesus on the cross when God forsakes him. Jesus will be reproached by the people. Jesus will suffer death. What man can live and not see death? But unlike any other man, God will also deliver his life from the power of the grave. So that means in our baptisms, in your baptism, we are anointed into Jesus' death to be united with him in his resurrection. Through water and the word, through water which God controls, just like he controls the raging of the seas and stills them, God works through this water to be a washing of water with the word, a covenant, a promise. Through baptism, we are baptized into the name of the triune God. We become God's own son. God calls us his own child, his chosen one. God says of us, of you, in your baptism, you are my own child, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. In baptism, God is making a covenant with you. It's not you making a covenant to God. That would be worthless. But it's God making a covenant with you. 
all the promises about David and his kingdom without end in Ethan's psalm are then true for us in holy baptism. And our baptism means God will never cast us off. And so even at our funerals, we get to remember those uh, that we are baptized. We remember those who are baptized, who are inheriting a kingdom without end. God will never turn back on the promises he made to us. Even though we may suffer God's chastening rod, God is our Father who will never turn away from us. Every crisis we experience by faith, well, that's just what they are. They're, they're a wholesome chastening. A father doesn't turn away from his children. A father doesn't chasten his children because he hates them. He chastens them because he loves them. A father knows who his children are, what they can handle, and so a father will always, will always grant relief to his children. Your baptism is this promise. Your baptism is the greatest treasure that you possess. In baptism, God gives you strength to endure whatever trials and temptations you may suffer. And because your baptism unites you with Jesus, Jesus suffers with you. He promises in baptism, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And baptism means that even the end is not the end, for you've been brought into God's kingdom without end. You've been brought into God's eternal covenant with David, a promise to deliver you from this evil age, this evil world, into a kingdom without end. Through your baptism, in Jesus' name. So at last, we can praise again with Ethan. Blessed be the Lord forevermore. Amen and amen.